All right, well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles for our scripture reading for our sermon text this morning. We are picking up where we left off last week in Psalm 119, verses 129 to 136. <clears throat> As you recall, last week we began the first two parts, or the first two points, rather, of our sermon. And I decided to split it in two because there was a lot to cover. And I didn't want you to have to sit here for an hour and a half. And so we pick up with the second half of the sermon that we started last week. Psalm 119, verses 129 to 136. I'm going to ask you to please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 129, this is God's holy word for us His people. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because they do not keep your law. This is God's holy word for us as people. Father, we ask that you would come now and continue to be with us this morning, to speak to us. You have heard our voice in prayer and in songs of praise. And, O oh Lord, now we ask that we could hear Your voice. Oh, will You speak to us today from Your Word. And may that Word change us deep within and cause us to go from this place conformed a little bit more this week into the perfect image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask it in His name for Your great glory and for our benefit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So, quick review from last week. And also on the um, your um, in insert, you have points... Uh, three and four that we're going to be covering this week, second half of last week's four points. And as I mentioned, each of those four points have two words in them, and so technically this was, an, this was designed as an eight-point sermon. And that's why we're taking up only four last week and four this week. And as you may recall, the structure of these two messages from this one passage is based on the structure of the passage itself. That what Hebrew poetry liked to do was not rhyme and have meter like English poetry, but it has parallelism. Hebrew poetry is all about putting things in parallels. 
And so in this passage, it's an interesting kind of parallel. Usually it's one line is paralleled in some way by the next line. But in this case, we have this big nested parallel where the first verse of the passage, 129, parallels 136, the last verse. And then the second verse parallels the second to last verse. And it goes on and on down until you get to the very middle of the poem, which is verses 132 and 133. And that's the center piece, the central part of the passage. And that's where we're going to end up this morning on that middle parallel where they actually do touch each other. Last week we looked at the first two parallel pairs. Verses 129 and 136 was the first pair. And as you recall, here's our question that's guiding the, the sermon last week in this. How do we walk in the light of God's Word? How do we walk in the light of the Word? Or since it's the epiphany season, uh, the sixth, of course, was Epiphany. And that's all about the light of the world, the eternal light of Christ coming into this world. And, he, and Jesus says, walk in my light. And so you want to know, how do we walk in the light of Christ? How do we walk in the light of the Word? And we're looking for answers to that question in this passage. And so each of these parallel pairs helps us answer that question. The first parallel pair last week, 129 and 136, we said, how do we walk in the light? Number one, we need love and lament. Love for God's law. Not just His Word in general, not just the cool stories, not just the fun parables, but the laws, the commandments, to love the law of God. That's verse 129. And the second half of the pair is 136, to lament. To love the law and then lament that we are not able to keep it as we wish we could. Another way of framing this sermon series, or this, this two-part sermon, is to ask, not just how do we walk in the light of the Word, but how do we stay on the narrow way? And love and lament are the guardrails on the outside of that narrow way. Love for the law will keep you from going off this way. And lament that you don't keep it like you wish you could will keep you from veering off this way. They're the guardrails that help protect us and keep us on the narrow way. To love God's law and lament when we break it. To be sensitive to our sin. And then the second half... Last week, the second parallel pair, one, verse 130 and verse 135, form a parallel as well. And we saw that that parallel is about looking and learning. In verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. How do we walk in the light? We need to unfold the words. We need to open the Scriptures we need to look into God's Word and let it enlighten us to shine its light upon ourselves and upon our path. As, the, as Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. How do you stay on the narrow way? you got those two guardrails, love and lament, but then you have the Word of God itself. When you open it up and you search it, 
it shines a light upon the path. The guardrails and then the street lights that illuminate the narrow way so you know the twists and turns and you know which way to go. That's look. Look into the words and let their light shine upon you. And then the second half of that parallel was verse 135. Learn. He says, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Get into the specifics. Don't just say, I want to obey the law in general. But go learn what the specific instructions are so you know specifically what you're expected to do. Go and dig in. Learn those specifics. Kind of like what we did with the Beatitudes. Just, okay, here's something specific Jesus wants me to do. Don't just obey in general. Do this. Don't do that. Learn the specifics. And what are you seeking? Make your face shine upon your servant. You're living for the pleasure of God to be found doing His will. And that's why you want to know specifically what He asks you to do. That's a review from last week. Love and lament, look and learn. The first two parallel pairs. Now, this morning, we come to the second two pairs. So this is the third point overall, counting the two from last week. Based on this third parallel pair, what do we need to do to walk in the light of Christ, in the light of the Word? This is verses 131 and 134. Look with me first at 131. The psalmist says, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. The next thing you and I need to do to walk in the light of the Word is to have a longing for obedience. A longing to do the commandments. Look at this language he uses in 131. He says, I open my mouth and I pant. Panting, hungering, thirsting, drooling over doing the will of God. When I'm thirsty, like now, I think to myself, I, I really need a drink of water. Oh, man. And if you're really thirsty and you're out doing something and you don't have any water, your mouth gets dry and you start, oh, man, I really wish I had something to drink right now. Cheers. You start panting. When I play with my dog and we really get heated up, she starts panting, panting, panting. And eventually, she'll stop playing with me and she'll go get a drink of water. She's panting. She's thirsting. What are we panting for? What's that thing we feel like we need it? In your soul, in your heart, what are you panting after? 
What are you craving? What, spiritually speaking, what just gets you drooling? Craving. The psalmist says, I open my mouth and pant. Why? Because I long for your commandments. And he doesn't just mean I long to have them in my possession. Like, I would really love to have a copy of the Bible so I could have your commandments on my shelf unopened. He means I long to do them. I long to see these commandments become a reality in my daily life. Obedience, Christian. Obedience is the sustenance of the born-again soul. Jesus says in Luke 12, 23, Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Jesus says in John 4, 32 and 34, I have food to eat that you do not know about. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Jesus teaches, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Matthew 5, 6. Whoever comes to Me, Jesus says, shall not hunger, and whoever believes in Me shall never thirst. John 6.35 What do you long for, Christian? What has your heart? What owns your passion? What commands your affections? What entices your appetites? Do you pant for Christ? Listen to the psalmist. Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Do you crave Christ and His righteousness? Do you hunger and thirst for God's commands. The first thing you need in this third parallel to walk in the light is a longing to obey God's law. If you're just going to obey because you think you should or you have to, but your heart's not in it, we're getting close to hypocrisy. We must check our hearts. What are we longing for? Where is our delight? That's the first half of this third parallel. Now the second half, verse 134. Psalmist says, Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. The first half of the parallel is longing, long, the second half of the parallel is labor. Labor. Now this is the hardest parallel in the passage to see. I'll admit it. Uh, 
there's one of the parallels, there's two little links. One of the parallels you can only see in Hebrew, and it, you, can't, you can't even translate it because it's two key words that look a lot alike and sound a lot alike. And so that's, that's something that no one could see unless they're just looking at a Hebrew text. But more than that, something you can see in translation is this. There is a conceptual parallel. The thought in 131, the thought and the feeling in 131 parallels the thought and the desire of 134. What's the connection? It's this. Yearning for something absent. You don't long for what you already have. You don't have a longing for something you already possess. Now what does the psalmist want in 131? He wants to obey the commandments. I long for your commandments. I want to do it. Obedience is something I need and want. What does he want in 134? Freedom. Liberty to do what he wants. He's longing to do the commandments in 131 and he's longing for the freedom he needs to do the commandments in 134. He says, Redeem me. Save me. Deliver me. Set me free. Liberate me. Unleash me from man's oppression so that I may keep your precepts. That word, redeem me, points us to the fact that you and I need a Savior. We need to be redeemed. We need to be liberated. We are in bondage by nature to sin and to self and to Satan. Our will is not to do the will of God. We need to be redeemed. We need to be delivered. We need to be set free. And specifically, what does he say? Redeem me from what? From man's oppression. Now, just literally, straightforwardly, that means redeem me from other people who are oppressing me. I want to be obedient, but sometimes I let other people get in the way. Sometimes I know to do what's right, but either because I'm afraid of what someone else might think, or I'm afraid of what someone else might say, or I, I'm, I'm nervous, anxious, worried about how they're going to respond or treat me, or what people are going to see and think. And, and we do this little ping pong match with ourselves in our heads. It's like, okay, well I should do it. Yeah, but what if this happens? Oh yeah, I see your point, but yeah, but I really should. It's, God wants me to do it. Yeah, but people are going to think something bad about you. And then we just do this back and forth in our heads. Should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? And then it's too late. <laughs> Ooh, should I share my faith? Ooh, I might melt. <laughs> right? <laughs> we get nervous and we do this. Right? It's just common. We sometimes allow ourselves and others... Ugh, interfere with our obedience. Get in the way of doing what we know we're supposed to do. We don't, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's awkward. I don't like it. 
I mean, I want to do it, but at the same time, yikes. And we do this. We need to be set free from fear of opinion. We need to be set free from, a, from someone just doing that look. Like, when you can tell when someone disapproves of what you did or said. They'll just give you that look like haughty derision. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You're one of those. You're one of those Christians, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It can be very unpleasant when we allow other people to get in the way. Redeem me. Set me free from fear of man or, or a crossword or an awkward situation. We just need to be set free from all that fear of man and have a superior fear for the Lord. But there's another kind of oppression man's oppression. If you do a little bit of theological free association here, it's not just other people and ourselves that can get in the way of obedience. What else is it that oppresses humanity? It is our sin. Our sin. The word for man here is pronounced in Hebrew Exactly like a certain name in English. Adam. <laughs> As in Adam and Eve. The word Adam in Hebrew just means a human being or humanity, mankind, the human race. All of us are fallen in Adam. All of us are under the dominion of sin. Romans chapter 3. All of us need to be set free from sin. And here's where this keyword of laboring comes into the picture. Laboring. We need to go on the offensive against sin. We need to declare war on that old Adam in each of us. That fallen man, that fallen woman that's in each of us. We are indeed sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And what we need is liberty from the oppression of sin. Each of us knows sin still dwells with us. It still interferes. It still inhibits. It still afflicts. It still tries to wrap its tentacles around us and hold us back from running with freedom in the way of God's commandments. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. I want to run in obedience, but I feel like I have shackles and weights tied to my legs and it's so hard to move sometimes. Sin inhibits. It holds us back. We must labor, we must struggle, we must strive to be free, to obey. Redeem me from man's oppression. Get these, sin, these, these chains of sin and iniquity off of me. We must resist sin. And we need a Savior to give us the freedom we need that we long for. That's the first parallel. Long and labor. Now we come to the second pair. 
our final point this morning. This is the centerpiece of these eight verses. This is the central point of this stanza, of this passage. Verses 132 and 133. This is where we're going to land today. The first half of the parallel is lean. Now in your handout, I mistyped it. I typed learn. You can see why I made that mistake. Just one R. <laughs> so just scratch out the R. It's lean, not learn. If we yearn for freedom, and if we wage war with man's oppression, we must labor, we must, excuse me, we must not labor in our own strength. We must lean on God's grace. Look at verse 132. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. If you want to do God's will, you must depend on God's way. And what is God's way? And how do you depend on it? Look at what it says about God's way. The psalmist says, Turn to me and be gracious to me. So it's two things. As is your way, turn to me and be gracious to me. First of all, He turns to you. Your God turns to you. He does not turn away in light of your sin. He looks to you. This is back in Psalm 51. A psalm of David as he's crying out in repentance to God. He says this in verses 9 and 11. David says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Verse 11, Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. When we sin, when we struggle, when we stumble, when we fall, we say, Oh God, turn to me. Do not forsake me. Don't take your Spirit away from me. And this psalm says, God's way with us is that He does not forsake us. He does not leave us and abandon us. You did not sin that same old sin one more time and He got to, the, he, 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 he got to His limit and He said, Enough! I've had it with you! How many times, little puny person, do I have to tell you this? Really? Again? Thank God He doesn't get to that point. His patience are infinite. His way with us, when He sees us struggling to be free from sin and laboring, falling, failing, He turns to you, not against you. That's His way. That's what He's like. Even when other people turn their back on you. Or when you give up on yourself. 
He turns to you. He does not forsake you. And then secondly, He's gracious to you. He gives you a gift. That's what being gracious to someone is about. Not just having a, a certain kind of attitude, but being graceful is, at least biblically, means He gives you a gift. He grants you what you ask of Him. As St. Augustine says in his famous prayer from his uh, book, his autobiography called The Confessions, Augustine famously says in his prayer, O oh God, give what you command and command what you will. In other words, whatever it is you command me, command me anything you like, but you have to give me the gift of being able to do it. Or I can't do it. Augustine knew, I can't take the first, least, smallest step on the narrow way in the Christian life if you don't give me the grace to do it. If you don't help me take that next step. If you don't set my feet free to do it. How could I ever do it? He's gracious to you. He gives you what you ask Him. And what we're asking Him for in Psalm 119 is freedom to obey. Freedom and obedience, Christian. Freedom and obedience are the gifts of God. It's something you have to ask God for and trust God for. You have to lean on Him and depend on Him to be true to Himself for you. This is God's way. And you have to trust that He will be consistent with you and not all of a sudden change and abandon you. These are His gifts. The freedom to obey and the will to obey come from Him. Now, that's God's way. How do you depend on it? You also turn to Him. If He turns to you, you should also turn to Him. Remember, this whole psalm is a prayer. This whole thing is one massive prayer to God. God turns to us. God is there for you. He turns to you. And so we should turn to Him. We should look to Him. Lean on Him in our prayers. If what you long and labor for is His gift, then go to Him and ask Him for it. He wants you to come to Him and trust Him and ask Him. So He can give. If He's turning to you, turn to Him. Look to Him in prayer. And then, this psalm beautifully, it says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with who? With who? Those who love your name. Mm. This is God's way with those who love His name. 
we must reverence God's name. We must worship Him for His gracious and faithful way with us. We should love His name and His way and His character and His glorious attributes. Love and trust, Christian, the name of your God. That's the first half of this last pair. Lean on Him. And then finally, verse 133, the second half of the parallel. This is one of my favorite promises, one of my favorite verses probably in the Bible. 133, look at it. Keep steady my steps. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed this. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. The last thing you need to walk in the light of the Word, to walk in the light of Christ, is to live. Live by faith in God's promises. What hope do you have that you will not stumble and fall on this narrow way? God's promise that He will keep you from stumbling is the only answer. How do I know that down the road I'm not going to trip up, stumble, fall, be lost forever? This promise. God's promise that He will keep you from stumbling. Keep steady my steps according to your promise. As you promised me that you would do, don't let me stumble and fall. And if it weren't for that promise, you'd have no business being confident that you're on your way to heaven. Because you don't know what you'll do tomorrow, next week, a month, a month from then, two years down the road, on your deathbed. You have no idea. And if all you had was how I feel right now, what I hope I'll do in that day, it's so flimsy. There's nothing there solid for us to stand on. So we need to stand on the promise. God's promise that He will keep you from stumbling. When you feel like everything is shaky, the path feels treacherous, your legs feel weak and wobbly, each step is unsure, and you feel as though it might all give way and come apart, where will you find a place to stand firm? This verse says, God's unshakable promise is where you must stand. He will keep steady your steps in your mortal combat with sin and the flesh as you labor to live free from man's oppression. You must carry God's mighty promises into battle. These are the weapons that we must wield praying God's promises through to the end. I just, in my own life, I take, I take a, 
prayer like this, and I just pray it over and over and over. Praying it through. Oh, keep steady my steps. Don't let me step off this narrow way. Oh, you know how fickle my heart is. Bind my wandering heart to Thee. Shackle me to Your will. Because I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Keep steady my steps as You promised You would do. Don't let that old iniquity, that old sin get the upper hand on me again and drag me back down to hell. Keep me, Lord. Keep me. Or I die. He promised to keep us. Stand on that promise. So as we conclude, let me just review what we've seen so far in this passage, this wonderful passage in Psalm 119. How do you walk in the light of the Word? If you take last week and this week and put them together, there's eight steps to walking in the the light of the Word based on this passage. And this is stuff for you and I to work on and think about and practice each day one step at a time as you grow little by little in your walk with Christ. Here they are. Number one, cultivate a love for God's law. Two, look deeply into the Scriptures and receive the light of its instructions. Three, long for obedience to God's commandments. Pant for righteousness. Crave obedience as though it were your daily bread. Fourth, lean on God's grace and ask Him to grant what He commands that you might love and glorify His name. Five, live by faith in God's promises as you battle and resist sin. Six, labor to live free from man's oppression in all its forms since you have a Redeemer who has set you free. Seven, learn what God has specifically commanded and seek His face in His Word and seek His pleasure in all you do. And then eighth, lament your remaining sinfulness. Stay humble, stay hungry to keep going and keep growing. This is how we walk in the light of the Word. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your powerful, life-giving Word that shines a light upon all the things that we do and say. It shines a light even down into the low bottom of our hearts. And it shows us who we are and what we are. And I ask you, Lord, that you would turn to us, even as we turn to you now, that you would be gracious to us and that you would fulfill all your precious, awesome promises to us. That you would keep your word and keep your way and be faithful to us and help us to begin taking those next steps into being a growing practicing, believing Christian. Help us each day not to strive for perfection right away. We're not, don't, don't let us microwave these things as though we can have them ready in five minutes. 
But help us to learn how to slow and steady day by day, week after week, as the years roll on, begin to put these things into practice so that we can make progress. So that in the future we can look back and say, My God, thank you. I'm not where I need to be and I, and I, and I lament that I'm not where I would love to be. But thank you, God. I'm not where you found me. I'm not where I was. You are good. You are changing me. You are sanctifying me. I can see the Beatitudes happening in my life. I can see the fruit of the Spirit growing and blooming and blossoming. Oh, give us a mighty zeal, Lord, to be your faithful, obedient people and help us to walk the narrow way, to stay in the light of your word, to love and worship and glorify your name, to seek your face and your pleasure in all we do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.